This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford and I'm a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. In this episode, I chatted with Amanda, who was a traditional surrogate for her friends Dusk and Tim, and she gave birth earlier this year to baby Sailor. We chatted specifically about her experiences as a traditional surrogate, which can be quite different from the experiences of a gestational surrogate. A traditional surrogate is an egg donor and a surrogate all rolled into one. And so the dynamic and the relationships can be really different. Amanda and I have chatted about this many times in the past six months, and now I'm going to hand over to her to hear some of her insights. My name is Amanda, and I'm a traditional surrogate in Victoria, and I gave birth to a baby girl in March this year, 2018. Lovely. Thanks, Amanda. Can you tell me, how did you come to surrogacy? One of my best friends in high school came out to me at the end of high school and I kind of said, well, if you ever want to have a baby, then come and find me. And it was all in jest and things like that. But then in 2015, I was pregnant with my fourth child and I saw that they had gone to the Families Through Surrogacy Australia conference and so I Facebook messaged them and we were having a conversation. They were at the airport on their way back to Melbourne. And I said, well, if you still want to do this, then my offer's still on the table. Um, and I went around to their house for dinner, I think that week, and we started talking about the reality of us getting into surrogacy. Were you planning a gestational surrogacy journey? Yes. So from the initial talks, obviously I was pregnant at that time. So we had a long time to plan and get a lot of advice and things like that. And from our knowledge, well, what we thought we knew at the time was that in Victoria, you could only do gestational surrogacy. So that was always the plan moving forward was that it will, we'll, they were going to look for an egg donor and I was going to carry the baby. for. Them. And um, how did they go about finding an egg donor? So it was a bit of a debacle, actually. I think that they went through about... One of my friends actually offered and then they had a few of their own friends and people in their life that offered as well. All of them kind of fell through for various different reasons and as we were progressing along, in the end they decided to go to the World Egg Bank, actually, and purchase eggs there, which... Is quite expensive process, but I think they just wanted it to move forward and they were just having no luck with any anybody that they had known. Yeah. So what happened with the, with the gestational surrogacy and how did you switch to traditional? Okay, so we did all of our counselling and our legals and went to the PRP and then got the egg sent over from the World Egg Bank. So we had two embryos to work with and the my cycle started pretty quickly straight after our PRP in February. So we were right into that cycle and it didn't work. And then again the next month and that embryo didn't work as well. And I think that we're all, I was very shocked because I just assumed that my fertility was guaranteed because I've had four kids before. And so then I kind of said, I don't know where you guys are. The medication was a big deal and it started to make me feel sick and crazy, you know, being on those medicated IVF cycles. I want to keep going with this journey, but can we 
use my ex because I just think that that is a better. I don't want you to go back to the World Egg Bank and waste your money because you're my friends. And I also, I don't know if this IVF process is for me and is for my body. What I see a lot of surrogates go through is they, that, first of all, they think that it'll be quite easy to fall pregnant because they've got proven fertility themselves and that the IVF process is, can be quite a shock to the body, particularly when they're on medicated cycles. Yes, I think that I felt that too. When I was on the medication, even before the transfer, I was kind of like, I don't know, I can't describe it. I was feeling like sick and lethargic and I'd never, I'd been on the pill before, but only the mini pill. So it was really, you know, it's a low dosage and things like that. But this was a totally different ball game. And I, I really feel for people that, you know, go through these IVF cycles after cycles because that just the medication alone that was a rodeo to me that was a lot so your offer to be their traditional surrogate how did they receive that um so i think that one of them was very they were both very very appreciative one of them was a little more hesitant than the other and i just think because it was kind of unknown and i'd only offered because there was two people that I really got to know in the surrogate support group, you and then also Carla, who you've had on your podcast as well, mm. that were going down this path of traditional surrogacy. And I was like, well, I think I could do that too. So I kind of did a lot of the research myself. And so I had a lot to take to them and present to them legal wise and, you know, what we had to do counseling wise and things like that. And in the end, um, it was always well received. I think that the one of my intended parents that was a bit hesitant, he was just worried about what it was going to mean. If we could actually do it and then, you know, we'd be building this big thing up about, oh, well, it won't be mine genetically and things like that. So it was a total then, but was the right. And for you going into it as a traditional surrogate, did it feel any different in terms of how you thinking about the future child that you were going to make? Um, I don't think so, no. I think that after those two transfers not working, I was point where I was friends a baby so badly and um, this is how I can do it. And I kind of felt like it was going to be the same as a gestational surrogacy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. At that time, that's just, you know, I was maybe a little bit naive that I would feel not as much, but I don't know. It just, you just swept, you know, up in that moment. I would do it a thousand times again, I guess. So you then did additional counselling and settled the legals. And then how did you do the traditional surrogacy? It was um, home inseminations? It was very, um, very romantic home inseminations. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it, it's very awkward and it's, um, it is what it is, I guess. It's a... And you can see quite quickly through that, didn't you? Yes, the first month of trying. So I think in that time, in my ovulation window, I have quite a long ovulation window. And I think we had about three or four months of it. And then, yeah, that I got pregnant that month. So tell me about the pre pregnancy. What was that like being your your egg, essentially, but not your child? Yeah, so uh, the pregnancy, the first 12 weeks was pure elation and joy. I was so happy and I was just looking, looking forward to 
finally doing this. We'd been on this road for, I think, like two years now, and it was finally coming into fruition. And then I think 12 and a half weeks hit and the morning sickness hit. And that's when I first realised, okay, you know, hard, but it's harder than I thought it was going to be. I didn't think that I was going to be sick and I'd never been that sick before in a pregnancy. And it, it hit me really hard. I remember coming home one day after the school drop-off and pulling into my driveway, just, you know, dry reaching out of my door, crying and just calling one of my IPs and being like, I need to go to the doctor. You need to come and help me with my kids and I need to go to the doctor. And that, you know, that went on till 28 weeks and it was constant. I don't know. Now looking back at it, I just kind of like, yeah, but I remember being in the middle of it and being like, what am I doing? Like this is yeah. like what's going on. My kids were kind of every afternoon just looking at me like, oh yeah, mum again. So you're saying the first four pregnancies that you'd had, you weren't that sick, and then your fifth pregnancy, which was surrogacy pregnancy, you were really unwell. Yeah. So my first pregnancy, I had the average morning sickness, I guess, and then the second pregnancy was about the same, but the third and the fourth, I had zero. Nausea, nothing at all. I just felt normal the whole time. Um, I was tired, but that was all. So this one kind of, I think because it had been so long between, you know, that second pregnancy to the fifth one, it it really... Um, Your intended parents, they were helping out during that time? Yes, yes, definitely, 100%. They were so receptive of my needs. Um, I, at the start, I had a bit of an issue because I was not communicating my needs with them and I was getting frustrated that they weren't doing what I wanted to, them to do but I wasn't and it was um it was a lot and I ended up speaking to our counsellor actually and then she spoke to them and that was a good uh, medium at that time that I think that I needed just to be that first you know the first time that you're really asking like I need I need your help mm. and it's not want to help or anything like that it was just because they didn't I wasn't letting them know and I was just kind of glossing over it a little bit so one of them actually ended up dropping hours at work because as I said I've got four kids and I had four kids my oldest was only at the time so um, I needed lots so I was doing lots of driving around and kindergarten and all those kind of things and um, he he was here a lot especially towards the end of the pregnancy um, yeah helping out in terms of birth planning how did that go so for my fourth um, my keeper baby I actually had an emergency cesarean at 36 weeks um, but I'd had three vaginal births before that so I just assumed that I was going to have a VBAC and we had a private obstetrician um, and she was very all for it and she was very lovely about it and then as it got closer and closer the baby wasn't dropping. She just was doing her own thing in there. I wasn't, um, you know, she wasn't getting any lower. I wasn't getting any softer or, you know. Um, she, we had a few stretches and sweeps and things like that. So it was always going to be a VBAC. And then I remember she pulled me into her, well, we had our 40-week appointment. And she said, well, all your average pregnancies where you've gone on your own, about 40 weeks and five days i'll give you five days over and then i want you to have a cesarean yeah. and that hit me real 
because I really didn't want to have a second cesarean and because I know that at my local hospital, they don't really do like a VBAC after two cesareans as well. So I knew if I had a second cesarean, then that would kind of be the option for me going. And I just hadn't really planned for the downtime, what that meant for my family afterwards as well. But we ended up, you know, so I had about five days to process that. I was really, really mad and upset at the start. And then... So Sailor arrived uh, by cesarean. Tell me about the birth. It was actually great. We went in there all together in the morning and we had a birth photographer come in as well. Um, And the plan was that all through the pregnancy, the plan was that if we were going to have a cesarean, that one of the intended fathers would come in. Um, And then I started to get really nervous. And I think that there was so much emotion around it. And they were worried for me and I was just emotional. I had so much raw emotion and I'm not usually like that. I'm a very logical person. And I kind of said to my husband, I want to go by myself. I just, I don't know why. And then they had asked the obstetrician if they could both come in instead of just one. And then she'd said yes. And then I started to panic a little bit. But they were so good at picking up on that and they just kind of looked at me and they said, do you want to go alone? And I was like, felt so guilty. I did. I felt so, so guilty. But so I opted to go in alone and the birth photographer actually came in as well, who I'd only met one time before. So it was just kind of like having a hospital staff person there that was a bit extra supportive to me. I remember being wheeled out of, you know, you're in your hospital room and then you get wheeled out down to the theatre to start going in and the I just felt so calm like I was really emotional in that and then I was like okay game face on now I'm just going to go down and do this and that's I think what I needed I just need to do that but the cesarean went well she was born nine pound five four seven and she's just beautiful so what was it like introducing her to her dad's um oh it was amazing. She filmed straight away. And I just felt like they just knew her as well. Oh, I'm going to cry now. <laughs> um, I was in recovery with her. And then the birth photographer actually sent them a recording of her crying while I was in the, the theatre because I was down there. And then in the recovery, I was just really antsy to get up there because I had felt guilty that I, you know, they weren't there in that moment. And so we went back to the room and then we called them up. And as soon as they opened that curtain and they saw their baby, I was, that was it. That was the moment. This is, that's why I was put here on this earth for that, for that moment, to give them that baby. And she was so calm and she was just, you know, she's a newborn. She wasn't giving much, but she was so happy. She was just, I don't know, she, she just knew that she was special and this was such a special time for all of us. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. As a traditional surrogate, what was the fourth trimester been like for you? Oh, Sarah. It's, um, it's been a roller coaster. It's been kind of, um, you know, one foot in, two feet out kind of thing. At the start, the days in the hospital, spending time, so we ended up staying five days in the hospital together, pure elation. So I was breast her and they had their own room. So they would go in and spend time with their baby and then they would bring her into me for feeding. But then they were also formula feeding her as well or 
express breast milk feeding her as well. The night before leaving the hospital, I started to feel a bit tight in my chest. I'm not going to lie. And then that morning, you know, packing all the things and getting ready to go, um, the floodgates just opened. Once she was in that car seat and waiting to go downstairs, I was like, well, this is it. You know, my my first step into the, the rest of my life um, post-sailor. And I didn't really know that that was coming. And we went downstairs and my husband's car was there and I was getting in the car and they were walking to their car. We were all crying and it was just... I kind of think if I was ever an actor and I really wanted to win an Oscar or something, I could go back to that moment and the, the tears would come so genuinely. My husband drove me home. Ten hours later, I was back there at the house because I was I just needed to just see her and see her at home and see them all together. This is how they were going to live and she was okay. So then they started, they brought her around to my house every day for those first few weeks and that was amazing. Kids got to meet her and I got to spend time with her. So they usually come right before she was due for a bottle. I'd feed her a bottle. They'd stay for the three hours in between and then I'd feed her another bottle and then they'd go home. And just having those five hours or so was just enough. It was kind of like a long, drawn-out goodbye, I guess. And everyone was there and everyone was so supportive, but I just felt so alone as well. I was so emotionally alone. And I have so many fantastic surrogate friends, IP friends and you know, all these people that have gone through these journeys as well that I could lean on, no one's there inside your body. No one's there with alone in the nighttime with your hormones. And I think that's what it was. My body was kind of, I said this, I said this to a lot of people as well. My head was like, yeah, she's going home with her dads. But my body was kind of like, where's your baby? Go and feed it. Like you haven't, you haven't seen it in a while. Mm. Um, and it, it gave me a lot. It gave me, um, my head was kind of then getting a bit distorted and I never want, you know, quote unquote, wanted her back because she was never mine. And I never wanted her to stay at my house or anything like that. I just was getting very, very anxious about what I was feeling instead of just letting my body feel all the feelings. How long did you direct feed Sailor for? Was it just while you were in hospital? Just in the hospital for those five days. And I think that maybe if I had time again, I would have So on those first initial days, uh, fed her when she came to visit as well, just so it was kind of like um, not so ending. And I think a lot of that was my feelings as well because my hormones were kind of like, oh, well, here's all this milk. He's gone now. So I don't know what to do. We'll just release all these these weird emotions into your body. But then the kind of the tides have changed a few times since then and it's, you know, I'll be really, really great and then I kind of think about it all day the next day. Do you feel like it's that you're missing Sailor or are you missing your intended parents or is it a bit of both? I think that I, I think that I'm missing the relationship with my parents. When you are at the end of your pregnancy, you are seeing them every day, you're talking to them every day, you're speaking to them multiple times a day and then when you're in the hospital you're all together and then they kind of go home and 
you message about the baby or they send you a picture, but it's not the same as it was when you were pregnant and it's kind of like losing a bit of a relationship. And I miss her as well, but I don't know. I've known, you know, them for 15 years and it's a lot. And I think that's probably what lots of surrogates feel is not so much about wanting the baby back, but actually just wanting, needing to readjust to the new relationship with their intended parents because they're looking after a newborn now and they're not focused so much on their surrogate. Yes, I would agree 100%. It was, um, there were a lot of people, I think, around me as well that were all the, are you okays? And the, you know, waiting for me to kind of fall down and start sobbing into the gutter or something like that. Um, and they didn't get that because they weren't there. They weren't in that. It was just the three of us kind of. And even my husband was very removed from just me uh, and Dusk and Tim and the three of us all together, you know, navigating through that surrogacy to get to this end game. And then when the end game came, I was kind of like, well, if this is the end, that's, that's not enough. I don't know what I want now. Mm. I have to say, I think I felt like that too. I felt almost sort of overwhelmed with confusion about, well, what am I now if I'm not the surrogate? Exactly, 100%. It was kind of um, the tides, yeah, had just changed and it was, it's finding your new place and you know that they're so appreciative and they love you and they're so happy that they have their baby and you've made that family, but it's still kind of like, oh, well, I don't, I didn't kind of know where it was going to go and I think that gave me a little bit of anxiety about it too. Um, so what's your relationship like with Sailor now? Oh wonderful, better than I ever could have imagined. So in those early times I think that I was very worried as well because I felt like I was the only one that had felt like that, that was um, you know pining for this baby that I'd given birth to and people weren't really talking about it a lot and then I opened up to my IPs and we had great discussions about it and they were so you know they sent me texts and they're like oh I'm thinking about you today I you know Sailor woke up so happy today thank you these kind of things just hit me and now I get to I see her at least once a week because we live quite close by each other and it's just amazing just to actually like tangibly have her there in my arms. It brings my, like my heart a lot of peace, I think. And it, it's, I suppose down the track, it's going to be good, beneficial for her as well. But for right now, for me and my IPs, it's good for all of us. We have this new relationship now where they're the parents and they're my friends and this is their child that I happen to give birth to as well. But we never get sick of that's the child your friend's child that you never get sick of talking about like mm. it's um, quite nice just so yes i see her once a week on average now i know you never had a gestational surrogacy pregnancy so it's a bit hard to compare but would you say that traditional surrogacy how you feel about sailor and the pregnancy and the whole journey would be different from how a gestational surrogate might feel i would say 100 percent and I don't know about you, but I find it sort of hard to articulate how it's different. Because it's think... still a baby we never intended to have out for ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And you never, you know, it's not, I don't know, a lot of people that are not, oh, is it like a baby 
away. Um, and I was like, well, no, because she wasn't mine. So I, I, do, I can't tell you what I'm feeling. But she's not quite my child. But, you know, I gave birth to her. So she's a little bit above my, you know, my nieces and nephews. So she's kind of fitting in there somewhere. And other gestational surrogates that I talk to, they just, it's not really like that because they love that baby and they carried that baby and I would never take that away from them. But it's just, as you said, I I don't know how to explain it. I just No, and I wonder too where gestational surrogates are not, they're not providing the egg. So somebody else is providing the egg and if that's egg donor, then the egg donor's relationship is really important after the birth. Um, whereas with traditional surrogacy, you still have a relationship after the birth because you also provided the genetic material. And so I think it has a, an extra layer of complexity to what that relationship is and how you go forward. That's, that's what I felt. Um, felt anyway. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think that's very true because it, once you, when you watch these stories go on where there's an egg donor, a gestational surrogate, and then the IPs as well, it's kind of like... Well, the egg donor is here at the beginning and she's giving her eggs and then it's the surrogates, you know, that's her part of the mix. And then the tides kind of shift back to the egg donor because it's, you know, all those little things that... It's, and I think, yeah, it's so complex it's hard to talk about and it's also that there's so few of us yeah. that it's sort of hard to find any similarities. But I think the traditional surrogates that I've spoken to, including you, would all say that it is different from gestational and it's sort of on a deeper level, I think, perhaps. Yeah, I think so too. I think like going to the where there, you know, there was a few of us traditional surrogates, mostly gestational surrogates. You can really hear it in the language that people choose to use and um, the way everyone is so careful a lot about, you know, not using these my kind of words and... I don't know, I don't feel my relationship with my IPs and I know another traditional surrogate in Melbourne as well, her relationship with her IPs. It's not really like that. Like children, they're not possessions and they're not anybody's, but it's just the way that you the way that we say it is different mm. because it's a bit different, you know? So do you think you would do it all over again? A heartbeat. I would just jump at the chance. I would do it exactly the same a thousand times over to get sailor and i think that i'm waiting to do a sibling project i don't think my rps are quite on board yet but you know the, their day will come and then i'll be here waiting for it thank you for joining me on the australian surrogacy podcast if you need to contact me you can find me on facebook and on instagram and at sarahjefford.com